That's actually something I wanted to bring up in today's episode. All right. Well, you're the host. We'll let you start. We'll just shut up and start it. Let's get it. <laughs> you know, you can tell us to shut up even though we're black because you like. <laughs> that might be the intro. Yes. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> we were just talking about how it's crazy that since we last talked, there has been another killing of a black man. So um, the week was good, but. Being black in America is just something every week that's stressful and kind of depressing. What does that look like when something like that happens? I mean, in the sense of how do you find it out about it? And then how does that affect your day? Um, I usually find out about it, you know, during through like social media or because uh, I don't really, I don't watch the news like at all. So like whenever I find out about like something that's going on, it's usually through social media. Um, when I found, when I find out about it, you know, I mean, I feel I'm to the point now cause my friend sent me the thing about the guy in um, Atlanta that got killed outside the Wendy's and he, I was just like, man, I'm so tired of this. <laughs> like, that's like basically what's go goes in my head. I'm just like, man, I'm so tired of this. You know what, John? I agree, but I'm going to say it feels like eternal rage yeah, all the time. And the world just goes on, meaning your regular life at work. White people talk about when the Browns win a game mm-hmm. at work. They talk about it's going to be 90 degrees this weekend. They talk about their gardening. They talk about everything. And then every week, a black man is killed in silence, complete silence. It's so much rage that you have and that you just work internally, especially at work. Mm-hmm. It's daunting. It just feels like your brain is about to explode. Your heart is about to explode. It's disgusting. Yeah. And you know, I haven't been around anybody like in an office setting yet. I'm still working from home, but I definitely know what you're saying. I definitely know what you mean though, because even when, um, when I'm, when I'm at work, I feel the same exact way. You know, I mean, I'm one of the, I'm the youngest person in my, at my job and there's, um, two other, oh no, there's like four other people of color that I work with two other black men though. And it's not a lot of people I can connect. I don't feel like it's a lot of people I can connect to and talk to about these things, you know? So I definitely, I definitely can feel that. I, I know that rage that you're kind of like talking about that you're saying, you know? Also the black people, we are whispering about it. Like we are not talking amongst the white people at work about it. We're off in a corner, closing the door in the offices, talking about it privately, like, because it creates so much, um divisiveness in the workforce mm-hmm. and people get so angry that we know that we can lose our job so we're quiet amongst people that are, are not friends so to speak like we've done something wrong because another black man was killed in america and that's still happening that hasn't shifted i have one person which is a therapy director that worked with me and she sends me memes. She talks to me. She's reached out to text me and called me to see how I was doing mentally. But she still is like doing it in private, like secretive, because she doesn't want to cause tension amongst everybody else at work. And I think that that goes into, I mean, 
when there's a mass school shooting, everyone's talking about it at the water cooler. When there is yes. um, a, a typically a white man that's, you know, on a rampage shooting up something somewhere, people talk about it. And I think that's the difference is people are saying that this is a political issue and not seeing it as a human rights, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say issue, but right to life. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes a difference. And I will um, go ahead and, and start the show then by, by saying that today we do have another special edition episode. As mentioned last week, we are doing a podcast blackout in support of the black community, the African-American community. The show is typically pretty lighthearted um, and an account of my life, um, encouraging people to embrace their own sense of weird and make a positive impact through non-judgmental discourse. I decided that I could not just sit on the sidelines and not highlight the fact that stop signs are optional, only optional for white people in our country. And I think it's interesting. I've sat with the title of this name the last couple of weeks, even stop signs are optional. And I thought, what a privileged title for two white girls on a show. And I do want to talk about that today. We focus largely on bringing smiles, happiness, and making a positive impact through this discourse. And I always say, as long as you're not causing harm to someone else's life or disrupting their pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then I can try and have empathy for someone else's viewpoint. However, when people are being murdered over the amount of melanin in their skin by officers of the law, by those who are meant to provide civility and justice, I no longer have empathy for these murderers. So we are here today to have a continued conversation about the facts, about what needs to change, how each of us can have a positive impact to stop these horrific crimes from continuing, and to just open the conversation to more people. So today I've invited a couple of friends to join in the discussion. First, I'd like to welcome my good friend, Michelle from Cleveland, Ohio. She is a licensed nursing home administrator, a member of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority, which is a public service organization, and a dear friend of mine. Welcome, Michelle. Yes, I'm happy to be here. We have another special guest, JB, in the house. And how are you? Good. And JB, um, when we discussed a couple days ago about you being on the show, And similar to Micah, um, you did not care to have any any credentials shared other than, again, the viewpoint of a Black man in America and um, a friend of mine. So I welcome you both to the show. I thank you both for taking time to have this conversation. So JB, before we get started, I would like to give you an opportunity to plug your business that you have for world travel. You can follow me on my social media. It's... um World Travel Wesley, and um, I promote I promote travel. Uh, so if anybody's out there that's looking to save money when they travel, I'm your dude. Hit my inbox. That's just my plug. I love following you for your positivity. It's one <laughs> of my favorite. Um, you're one of my favorite accounts, and that's actually how we connected as friends was through a mutual friend, and then yeah. found each other on social media. And we were both like, "Hey, you're super positive," and you're like, "Hey, you're super positive. We should be friends." Yeah, Yes. Yeah. Michelle, would you like to plug any of your social media or um, business accounts? No, I'm not that interested on in social media. It's just kind of my pics of my, my family and hubby and girlfriends. I mean, okay. you can follow me, but no. <laughs> Do you know that you were actually one of my first followers ever on Instagram? And Hell yeah. One, 
Yes. Uh, and so if you go back, I had deleted a bunch of stuff. Um, but you're like the only one that liked like my first like six months of stuff. <laughs> um, I'd like to start by uh, a friend of mine, actually Micah, who was on the show last week, sent me a podcast episode called uh, titled I Am Racist. And it was done by a white girl um, named Melissa Urban from the Do The Thing podcast. And one of the things, it's a very interesting episode. Um, I encourage anyone to listen to it. I'll link it in the show notes. But one of the main things she pointed out was that she felt like more conversations needed to be had amongst white people and not so much amongst asking the black community to come on shows as I am doing right now um, to educate white people. And Michelle, you spoke to that as we were getting ready for this show today. Um, And I would like listeners to know that as much as we are continuing to have these conversations and I have welcomed anyone in the community that would like to have these conversations, I also welcome people in the white community who might not see things in the same light that I do or that my guests do. Um, I did receive some feedback from Monday's episode that people thought that I was a little harsh um, at the beginning of the show and uh, a little bit um, of a softer approach would be appreciated. But I am here to say that this is not something that I feel like is a soft issue for me. And whatever approach I think anyone takes in this, as long as it's an approach forward, is something that um, I encourage and that I will stand by. So, um, Michelle, JB, the first thing I wanted to ask was, we started talking before about having conversations in the workplace. How are you managing with the sense of community that you have or don't have, both in the workplace, outside of the workplace? And have you seen any shifts occurring? I'm going to say similar to your other guest that was on the other day, um, constant code switching and being someone that you're not, we wear a mask in a workplace um, and we are not ourselves for reasons that are just kind of ingrained in us. You don't want to lose your job, especially being a black female. You don't want to be the angry black female, which that stereotype is constantly um, thrown in our face on television all the time that all black females are angry or enraged about something and or argumentative. So at work, we are quiet, but we are still enraged and upset about what's going on, but we're not allowed to express it. We're on conference calls, Zooms calls, asking to submit emails. I mean, just to go on throughout our day, like everything is normal. And this is like like a national crisis that's going on. And to your listeners who said, take a softer approach. We've had 400 years plus to take a softer approach. None of those softer approaches work. MLK died because he took a softer approach. That didn't work. I am with Malcolm X by any means necessary. We need to be loud, proud, and just um, vocal about what's going on. And so work looks like, like I said before, people are whispering. The Black people are whispering and closing their office doors talking about it. And the white people are talking about gardening like in every, and like it's like nothing is happening right now. Has your organization, and I'm not asking you to disclose who that is, but have they taken a stance? No, every day I wait. 
for them to say something like Black Lives Matter. That's not the case. But um, you mentioned I work in a nursing home. And so even in a nursing home, there's racial disparities amongst um, our Black residents and our white residents um, as far as security they receive, as far as the discrimination, um, as far as the insurance that they have. So they are discriminated against as well, the attention they get or the attention they don't get. And so it's the same thing. It's just it's an ongoing process. And having a background in healthcare myself, also being not a nursing home administrator, but a healthcare administrator in my previous life, you know, I always worked for um, in, in rural um, communities that, you know, federally qualified health centers, which meant that low funded, basically. And so the disparities, when people say that, that they don't think that racism is systemic, I mean, that's just one, one arena that we're talking about that, that Michelle and I have both witnessed as part of our professions, systemically meaning that a white person comes in with a better form of insurance, can go to a hospital or a care center or anywhere and get the care that they feel that they deserve. They have choice, right? Someone else might come in with a different type of health insurance that is limited, that they can only go to certain providers, certain specialists. That also might mean that that certain specialist is an hour and a half away. When I worked in Colorado, sometimes it was two hours away. Without public transportation, you don't have a car. I mean, these are all barriers to care. Again, just talking about healthcare, just one area and access being one component of that and how they're is a disparity. JB, how have, how have things been for you? Um, as far as, as far as my job, I'm still working from home, but, um, so not a lot of people have really said much. I kind of had a, I had a couple conversations with some, with some, um, coworkers, like really with like one, but other than that, like not really, but there's been other friends, um, that have reached out to me about about things, and just piggybacking on um, piggybacking on what Michelle was talking about as far as the work environment, like I know exactly what you're. I know exactly what she's talking about. Um, I I remember when I first started my job, I came in like with I would wear like a shirt and tie for the first like couple weeks because I thought like, you know, that's how I had to dress and I wanted to be presentable. You know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be looked at as like the, the lazy black dude or anything like that, or like the young black kid that like just thinks anything goes, you know, um, my, some of my friends have uh, reached out to me. Some of my white friends have reached out to me and asked me about, um, like just been talking to me about, you know, sorry that I didn't, I didn't, you know, listen before or like see or like try to take time to, you know, see what was going on, you know, and, you know, to me, I don't always, I didn't really always know, like, especially like in school, I was pretty, I was pretty oblivious to what was going on back, back then, you know, because I was, I was trying to code switch even then when I was in college, I was, I didn't want to seem like a threat. So I was always like overly nice. People didn't even think I was from the hood. Like people thought like I was from the suburbs. And um, so they would try. So some people would try certain things. But as far but as far as that goes, like 
my uh yeah some friends have reached out i've you know i've given some people some stuff to you know check out and things like that but i just don't want this to be like something where people want to support it because it's is popular i want it to be something where people are supporting because they want to they they really want to learn they really want to actively learn you know I thought about that today. Actually, I was on um, I was on Etsy, and I was buying a sign for my co- oh, white. What's <laughs> <laughs> the whitest website out there? I'm I'm just teasing. But I was I was looking at buying a Black Lives Matter shirt, and there's a lot of stuff out there right now that you can purchase. Um, uh, as far as attire, and I had that thought, JB. I thought. Will some I I thought will someone see this as me being a supporter or will were they will they see this as like a fashion statement? Because for me, it's just I, I a lot of t-shirts I wear I I have a lot of purpose with it. I I have like my love is love t-shirt. I have a lot of things that say like fucking shit on them because I think they're funny. Like or they have a stance about feminism or um, LGBTQ rights things like that. Um, but this, for the first time, I thought to myself, is this because there was just this whole like market on there of, of all these different, you know, trendy designs um, and instead of just, you know, buying a t-shirt because it's, it has a message and you want to be supportive. So it's interesting that you say that because I wonder the same thing. Like, is this just the fad right now? Because it's on, it's on Twitter and it's on TikTok and it's on Instagram and it's, it's, you know, if you aren't supporting Black Lives Matters right now, it seems like you're not the cool kid. Right. I, I will say that it is okay for it to be in fashion or you being a supporter. Like you didn't know if you should buy it because if it was fashionable or if people think, are you just doing it because it's a trend or are you wearing it because you're a supporter? Mm-hmm. Either is okay. Just as we could wear... Chief Wahoo for the Cleveland Indians, which is racist also, or the Browns, and you not even take a second thought and just put it on saying, hey, I'm a supporter. The Indians are hot right now. They're winning, so I'm going to wear a T-shirt. It's okay either way. But I really, I want to get deeper with your pause because it means more than just you thinking about it's being a trend or it being you being a supporter. That pause that you had was really how many people are going to come up to me and want to have a discussion or argument about this because that brings attention. That's a really good point. So when you said that, I'm like, well, that's going to bring a lot of attention. And just the other day, it was a um, white woman marching through a town looked like it might've been a Clarence rally. I'm not sure. So with social media, but she was just marching. She was the only protester. And it was all these uh, white dudes out, looked like kind of your bikers or I'm just going to say Trump supporters or whatever. I'm not sure. And she was marching up and down saying Black Lives Matter. She looked like she was a young white woman. These white guys ripped their sign from her and one of the guys punched her in her face. I've seen that Holy later on. shit. Just yeah. by her being a supporter with a poster walking through that town. So... If you do wear that, you have to be armed and ready to have discussions with people. For sure. And so um, when you said, is it 
yeah, it it kind of annoys me just like what due to COVID, now every single person want to put, you know, their logo on a mask. Gucci has a mask, the Browns. I mean, everybody has the mask because it's in trend right now. That's annoying mm-hmm. as well. But wearing a wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt or make America great again, you know that you're going to receive attention by wearing that. People are not going to look that look at that as just a fashion statement or being in trend they're going to look at it like you're ready to have a conversation or argue or talk with people and so i think that's why you pause before because if you do love is love what are people going to say what's there to argue about or um a rainbow t-shirt or whatever but black lives matter made you pause to think you bring up a really a really valid point i actually wrote that down because my biggest concern even having these shows, but especially when I've been talking with my white friends and I have some that just don't get it. Like they just think, well, they're not racist. So what's like their work is done. And it it has been challenging me specifically to educate myself enough to be able to hold an intellectually based conversation, but a factual conversation and not get tied up in the emotion of it. And, and be able to really challenge them in a way that will, that they'll receive some kind of information that will make them think even a grain of, of, of anything that might be a part of the change or growth. So that just means I have more work to do. That, that pause, I would, have never, I would have never taken it in that direction. So thank you. You're welcome. JB, you had said that you had wanted to come on the show to just talk about your life in general and what your experiences have been and what they have been recently. So I want to allow space for you to do so. For sure. Thanks, Lindsay. So um, I'm, my name is John. I'm from Akron, Ohio. Um, And I've had many different experiences, a lot of uh, unique experiences in, you know, in my life uh, when it comes to racism. When I, my first bout with like my first time realizing that, I was, I was a di- I was different. Was we were in karate? Like I just got back from karate class, so I was coming from karate class. Me and my mom used to go to McDonald's here in Akron, um, down in the valley, and they had a play place, so we get food, you know, play around. I was playing around with this little Chinese girl, and her mom had came in, um, and her mom was her mom was actually white. Her mom was I think she was like adopted, but her mom we were just having fun. We were just having a fun time. And then her mom was like, all right, little Susie, come on, you know? And it wasn't like, come on, it's time to go. It's like, come on. Like, I don't want you over there, you know? And I remember just thinking like, that was weird. And my mom was like, my mom knew what was going on, of course. And she was like, we got in the car and she was like, John, there's some people out here that don't like you because of how you look. And that was just that was just so wild to me because you know you don't come into the world hating anybody. You don't you just think like, okay, it's another kid. I'm about to go play with him, you know? And um throughout throughout time, um there were there were other instances where I kind of, where I where I noticed things as well. Like the set my next instance was when I was like I was probably about 10 or 11. And my mom had just started working at a dealer's in the mall. 
and I had the day off uh, from school. So um, her, she brought me and one of my other friends to the mall with her to, you know, just hang, you know, walk around and stuff, you know, while she's there and she just keep an eye on us. Well, one of her, one of her managers had came up to her and said, watch those little guys over there, like talking about us. And she was like, oh no, they're with me. You know, I mean, had me and my friend not been, you know, my mom's kid and, you know, my friend, who knows? I would, I could have gotten, I could have easily gotten followed in the mall and things like that, you know? Um, just as far as like things that are going on right now, I'll get back to like what kind of what I've had, what I've had to go through um, some more, but I'm going to kind of switch gears and kind of talk about like the past couple of weeks and what I've had to go, what I've been going through, you know, I've been frustrated. Um, I've been feeling sad, um, angry, and um, I've been feeling a little inspired to do other things as well, like to fix things, but I've just been frustrated, man. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, this struggle hasn't been, um, isn't foreign to me, clearly. And, um, you know, I could have easily been George Floyd or um, Tamir Rice or Trayvon Martin. I've been, I've been stopped before many times, just unlawfully. I was making a left turn and I got stopped by a, a state highway patroller and I had to take a whole field sobriety test, stone sober. Like he asked if he could search my car. I told him no, because I don't have, I don't have anything. I don't have anything to hide. I'll take your sobriety test so you can get off my case. But like, I don't, I don't see why um, I need to do that, you know, just for, just for little things, man. But there's been so many situations where I know like things could have gone another way had I or one of my friends I was with made the wrong move, um, for sure. When I was, um, so I went to Catholic school my whole life. My first school that I went to was predominantly black. And I noticed that as time went on, because it started off mostly like white, it was a Catholic school in Akron, started off like majority white, but like as time went on, there was more of us going there and like less um, and less white people. And, you know, you could just kind of see the, you kind of could just see the change in the school, you know, and the, the church that it was, you know, the parish that it was connected to ended up kind of going under because a lot of people, you know, went away from that church. That was all right. You know, that was, I didn't really have a lot of, I didn't really see a whole lot of racism like while I was in school, but I did notice that my teachers would treat us, would treat like the kids a lot differently than, they would treat me different than they would treat Patrick. We'll just call somebody Patrick. Or they'll treat me different than they treat Gabriel. Or, you know what I'm saying? I've heard people say recently that um, uh, in the African-American or black community that they didn't necessarily feel like they experienced racism, um, kind of like you just described. But I'm curious if um, I I, I asked a friend and they said, well, you know, I, I could have been experiencing racism, but they didn't know it. Right. From my perspective or from, yeah, listening to you is maybe you were experiencing it, but you were 
accustomed to it and didn't know that that's what you were experiencing? Or can you look back in retrospect and see that um, systemically or in, in some arenas, like you're saying, that people were treated differently, that maybe it was occurring, but it was just, was it maybe the norm for you? So as a kid, like, I didn't really know what was going on. But then when I started looking at, unless like somebody told me, you know, um, unless it was like something big, like somebody told my mom to follow me in the mall or somebody told their kid don't play with me in front of me. Um, looking at it, looking back on it, you can tell. But like when you're a kid and it's happening to you, you don't really realize that as a kid. But like once you get a little bit older, you can tell. I have another question, and this is for both of for both of you. Michelle, were you about to say something? I was just going to ask you a question about experiencing racism, and you kind of just not know it. Like you said, a lot of your friends said that they are really not sure they're experiencing it or not. Um, it's so natural and normal that in America that you really don't know. It's just a part of life. For example, John mentioned his school being predominantly white, sprinkles of black people. And as the years progressed, it turned into a predominantly black school and a parish went under. That's systematic. That's the institution of racism right there. Um, because when we talk about Black Lives Matter, we're talking about education. We're talking about health care. Yes, we're talking about police killing Black people. Um, we're talking about Black women having birth, labor, education. I mean, all this stuff is a part of the Black Lives Matter. And the, the fact that at that time, what John experienced, education didn't matter in that community. I'm saying that because you said the parish went under. Right. Now, I'm not saying that the teachers were ineffective or not qualified. I'm just saying that as Black people start coming to the school, the whites left. I don't know the quality of the education that he received. I'm just saying that, that that's definitely one example that you don't experience. But right. just it's so normal. I mean, like watching TV every day, we're not represented, you know, well, now we are more so, but you're not represented anywhere. And if you are represented, it's someone that you're not sure is even black. You're like, hmm, her hair curly, but I'm not really sure. Right. Um, you know, going into the store to buy makeup, we got to pick the specific communities, communities because makeup does not represent us or my whole entire life, basically. You know, yeah. um, just now there are some African-American companies that have been making colors to fit our races. And now other now the mainstream co cosmetic companies are jumping on board or going to a store in a predominantly white community and there's not anything for African-American hair. So it's so normal to us every all the time that you don't know that you're experiencing systematic racism because it's telling you that your life don't matter everywhere you go. It doesn't matter when you need to purchase hair products. It doesn't matter when you want to buy makeup. It doesn't matter when you watch TV and you're watching a movie thinking, okay, what's this about to be like? I mean, or someone's playing someone from, from a colored place and I mean, playing, I mean, someone's acting a role and you know that in that part of the country that these people are black and brown 
Oh, yeah. Actor playing that role is telling you, yeah, it's tons of black actors or actresses, but you don't matter. I mean, Mm -hmm. every part of our part of our life, there is a flag telling us you don't matter. And so. Yes, some of us experience people are just blatant with it, but everywhere you look, it tells you that your life doesn't matter. If you live in a city community, you don't have access to uh, quality grocery stores to buy quality food. You know, if you live in an inner city community, you may not have access to quality schools, quality health care. Everywhere you look, someone's telling you, telling you that your life does not matter. From the time you're born and from the time you die, I mentioned working in a nursing home and you're not represented. The, the activities are not tailored to African-Americans. The food is not tailored to African-Americans. I mean, everything tells you for your whole entire life, you don't matter. And so now we're saying we do matter. And people think, oh, you're against the country. You're against the flag. You're against police. But this is a holistic approach. And it's time for us to matter everywhere. Absolutely. And like even piggybacking off of what you're talking, saying, Michelle, even like it, it can be like the smallest thing. Like I'm even talking about you can look at look at. Look at your iPhone camera for a second. You know what I'm saying? If you like the ways we have to take pictures, like when I'm out and about and I have to take pictures, I have to make sure the lighting is just right or, I, or I'll have to like lighten up my picture because sometimes the camera don't even like ca- catch me all the way. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes it's too dark. Like, it's, it's ridiculous, man. Um, the subtle and, things that you see. And Oprah you know? Winfrey talked about that. She said that she wanted to make sure that black people didn't look great on camera um, yeah. because the lighting is not set up for us. I mean, we can go on and on, uh, you know, every single part of our life. Um, Lindsay. I, in, in the last episode, Micah had said uh, a statement that has stuck with me this week. And he said that white people are just inherently entitled. And I have found this to be, as soon as he said it, I thought, yeah, totally. And then living, going through my last week with that in the back of my mind and observing myself in my daily interactions, um, I think a lot of what, you're, you, you got, what you both have pointed out is that I've lived, white people have lived with this entitlement through everything you said, through, through access to things, through ease of shopping, to makeup, everything you just said, I mean it breeds like a spoiled child, right? Like we are used to certain things. And so I have had really frustrating conversations, especially with some white males lately. And I get frustrated. And sometimes I just say stupid shit. Like this this is just, you're just like the typical white man. And I get so frustrated because I don't know what else to say, but I'm starting to look at it in this entitlement. I try to think, okay, they genuinely can't see. They just think, okay, I'm not racist or, okay, I've made this statement on social media but because they've had this entitlement that they can have whatever opinion they want and it not be questioned. And they can not only just think or say, but do so many things like, like JB, like you said, get pulled over and smile and drive away. And, um, 
Or should it be black church and the officers take you to Burger King afterwards? Hey, right. Poking a smile while you're at it. Thanks for clearing all these black people. You're on your way to jail. Right. Infuriating, dude. Where the guy, the gentleman in Atlanta gets shot in his back. Shot. Because he's just trying to go home. He's just trying to go home and he just gets killed. Like, what the hell? Shot, Mm -hmm. stepped on, his shoulder stepped on. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. It's never ending. So I, I think what's really important for listeners and for anyone, and, and this is more f- for myself as well as I communicate with others, is to just maybe acknowledge that we are born with different experiences, regardless of who you are, regardless of what's going on, and just sit with that and, and have that knowledge as you're, as you're going through the days and weeks and and try to have some empathy for for others that that haven't had that entitlement or who haven't had inherent privileges. So your your um guest before mentioned that just so much privilege that you just don't know um mm-hmm. about it. I mean imagine going out with your girlfriends Lizzie wanting to run to CVS, Walgreens, any of those places to grab you a makeup, some makeup. Imagine not seeing any color that represented you. I can't imagine that. Imagine wanting to buy some pantyhose. All the colors are black or brown. Never experienced that. That's, so you don't, there's, I can understand why white people just don't know because you've never experienced it. Right. You have no, you don't have anything tangible to say, oh yeah. Um, unless you go into a black hair store <laughs> as a white woman, you say, none of these colors match my hair. Um, but other than that, how would you experience it? Uh, so discussions and conversations are extremely important. Um, if people are willing to have them, if not, then white people should just educate themselves and try to figure out why they are so entitled and have so much privilege. I mean, you're born with it. It's just, I mean, it is what it is. You're just born with it. But Imagine them, where there are movies out now. Imagine a movie where white people are not represented. I mean, just we the list can the list goes on and on. But um, I mean, I'm just thinking about being a black woman in America, not being the standard for beauty, um, not having access to pantyhose stockings that are my color. I mean, think about when you want to buy a nude shoe. Do you see a black woman's nude color shoe? Because what does nude mean? Right. It means right, white yes. or beige. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that that's it's not just an inconvenience. It's not an entitlement of convenience. Yes, it is an entitlement of convenience, but there is so much more to that because as a as a black female, then you are being told that you're not you're not worth it. Your worthiness is in question. So then that affects mental health, right? And so the way that the that the community has been highlighted in our society is that there's a lower worth. And then, and, and then that just goes into, I think why white people find it that it's fine to just shoot and kill because they're, they, they truly don't realize consciously or subconsciously that there's a lower level of worth. And And I, yes, I have been thinking about this topic um, prior to this podcast, so I thought of, I started thinking about from, I mentioned this before, from birth to death, our lives don't matter. But 
is if we just talk about the mortality rate for African-American women, as opposed to white women in late, you know, having in childbirth, we're three times more likely to die because of in, in labor, because of systematic racism. Yep. Um, care. Sorry. You, you, right. Care. Um, people not taken seriously that black women are in pain because you're taught that a black woman is strong. She can tolerate pain. Um, so you're ignored in the hospital. And then there are women who are in poverty who go have babies and you have nurses and doctors who want to punish them for having a baby out of wedlock or punish them because it may be she may have multiple children or punish them because she doesn't have sufficient health care. So they let them sit and die. Mm. So we're talking about from the, from the start of a black life, bringing a black life into this world does not matter either. Black women are dying in labor. And then we could talk about education. Um, this prison, this prison to pipeline, um, uh, program that's out. I mean, it's not a true program, but there are more police officers in inner city schools than there are um, suburban schools or predominantly white schools. And so you have kids comfortable with being prison prisoners. Police yep. officers are constantly in the schools all day. If I, I looked up some um, things and the Detroit, they spent $15 million on policing and surveillance in their inner city schools. They spent $1 million on social workers in their schools. So when you talked about healthcare and social workers, um, these schools, they don't have full-time nurses, counselors, social workers, psychologists, but they have full-time police officers. Mm. And what would be considered a small crime with black students fighting in, fighting in school, they're sent to jail and they have assault cases starting in middle school, which always already creates them in a system with a record. And if you are at a predominantly white school, yes, a fight, you scuffle, you go home, but you're not sitting in the back of, of, of a police car outside of school for your peers to see you. So right. from birth, our life doesn't matter. When we're educated, you're telling me that we need to be policed. You know, uh, like I said, $14 million spent on a police force in the schools. And, but you don't want to hire a full-time nurse or a counselor. And a lot of these students that are, um, are part of the school to prison pipeline, a lot of them have uh, disabilities. They're poor. They don't have access that's needed as far as counseling services. And so they just kind of get thrown by the wayside. Um, we represent 15% of the population, but as far as black students being suspended, it's 34% in schools. How is that possible? We're suspended more it makes than no anyone sense. in schools. And this is not, this is, a, is not a secret. Any one of your listeners could just school to prison pipeline and it will tell you systematic racism. This is what happening, which is what's happening now. And this is what de defunding the police is talking about. It's not actually yes. talking about it's reallocation of funds um, yes. is what defunding the police and all of the statistics and numbers that Michelle just highlighted. 
you know, I can speak to when I worked for a program at the Cleveland Clinic, I worked with high, they were young adults with developmental disabilities. They were technically high school seniors because in Ohio at the time you had up until the age of 21 to graduate high school. And it was, the program was for adults with developmental disabilities um, and low socioeconomic backgrounds. Of the 24, 20 some students we had, two of them were white. So it really, as you just said, highlighted for me in that moment that, that the numbers, as you just mentioned, Michelle, are within these certain communities. I mean, you cannot, why are we constantly, like you said, JB, having the, the AP programs. And these were, these kids, when I, when I spent time with them and did job coaching and all of this, I honestly think some of them were misdiagnosed. I don't even believe oh. that they necessarily had. I think they just didn't have the support. There's a lot of that. Exactly. That they mm-hmm. were just said, oh, well, they have a learning disability or they have a cognitive delay or they have a physical disability because they weren't understood and there was nobody in their community to understand maybe um, what was going on. I mean, I remember picking up a, a, a kid who was sleeping on his front porch because he didn't show up to class and to school for a couple of days. Mm. And like, no one takes the time to figure out like, are they eating? Are they, what just happened? We had a girl come to school and she was having a lot of behavior issues. She had just witnessed someone get shot down in her neighborhood a week before, but no one took the fucking time to talk to her about it. Exactly. And then you had me there who I don't have a background in social work. Um, I had a background in business. Um, you know, luckily I, I asked questions and, and I tried to find, you know, the best I could support out there, but it, it was hard to find. For and that's sure. a, that's a frustrating statement to make in and of yeah. itself. Yeah. Like I, I was diagnosed with ADD when I was like nine and I did notice as I got older and I work with like, I, I work in a I work in a field where I see people with different disabilities. I'll put it that way, and I do notice there's a lot of kids that are diag like very early now. Like they they were just diagnosing kids. Like they were just starting to diagnose kids in the '90s, like at the end of the '90s, with like ADD and stuff like that. But as I've gotten older, I've seen like there's a lot of African American kids and brown kids with getting missed getting diagnosed or misdiagnosed especially young black men as well getting um diagnosed as ADD and ADHD what's wrong is there's not enough black male teachers out there and then because like a lot of there's a lot of kids that are missing fathers and things like that are missing like male figures and I'm not gonna say it's all because it's not all there's plenty of people I have a lot of friends who have their dads in their lives you know, or have an but uncle. But their, in their dad's life. constantly getting killed by police officers. Right. They don't have fathers mm-hmm. in the home. Right. If their dads are doing 30 years in prison for petty weed charges. They don't have fathers in a home. Yep. If their dads are in prison because of silly arrests that are trumped up charges, or um, I got my mother um, retired as a police officer in Cleveland. And I know they had a practice that they would write up like 25 charges and hoping at least half of them would stick. And so her during her retirement, during her like five years before she retired, she would her job was to report to the grand jury. So an officer would 
doing a rest the night before. And in the morning, she would make sure that they got a chance to go before, you know, to get to get all their documents to court so it can be in a timely matter, manner. And they would have all the, her job was to go through kind of their arrest and then add charges to that. So those, so instead of maybe two things like failure to stop at a stop sign or um, didn't have a driver's license, it would be like, says something disrespectful to the police. I can't think what the charge is called, but they would add charges mm. to that um, so something could stick. That's ridiculous. And that's for, obviously, for the system to get money. Mm. But if we look at it in a systematic racist approach, these are Black and brown people that are getting stopped by the police. They already have limited resources. Like they may, you know, have a taillight out. Their car may not be the best. Just, just as, as a, you know, just painting a picture. And now you're adding all these charges. And now they have all this money that they need to, need to pay that they don't have in the first place. You know, yeah, they may have been able to pay for a $50 you know, I didn't stop at a stop sign ticket. Now they come out of court paying $2,000. And right. they're now they're on probation. They're in a system. Some of them are sitting in jail for over a year because they don't have $2,000 to pay. Or some of them never get their license again because they never can come up with $2,000 to get their driver's license. And so, and then they stop by the police and they're going to work. And it's just, you're constantly, it's a start, it's just, con- you're constantly in a system and never get a chance to get out. And it, it- it snowballs. And if I can suggest a, a, a something for listeners to watch that highlights this, it's a true story. I just finished watching it right before we recorded, but it's called How They See Us. Um, it's a four-part miniseries. It is difficult to watch because it's very honest and very raw. Um, but please, I mean, do if, you know, it's the, the littlest things is fucking open your Netflix and watch some shit. By the way, I don't know if you guys have Netflix, but I noticed the other day when I opened it, they had a message about Black Lives Matters. Mm-hmm. And then they now have a section that you can go to. And I will post some links um, in my show notes as well. Hulu I might also, too. I'm sorry? Hulu also. Oh, Hulu. Okay. Yeah. They have, they have that too. And it's called mm-hmm. When They See Us. You said how they see when us. When they see us. Yes. I don't think people look for how and they can't find it. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, when but, they see us. So how they see us is a great. That would have been a great title as well. But it's yeah, funny. seriously. Yes. Because like, bro, they really, there's people who really like look at us like we're wild animals out here that like just have no home training or nothing. Like people are like, I've been in part, I've been, in, there's been times where like people have been scared to like, like scared to, for me to be around, like scared of my presence. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I, I worked at a, this is kind of shoot, this is kind of going over, you know, my high school and college years, but I'll get back to that. When I was in, when I had one of my first big boy jobs, it was orientation and I was wearing a hoodie and I had my hood up inside. And there was an older black lady that that was like, take your hood off, take your hood off, you know? And like, she, and I, and it was, you know, I mean, I was inside and also it's because, you know, the code switching, you know, you, you want to present yourself a certain way. And it's like, when you have your hood up, you're, you're when you're a black man with your hood up people are automatically think you're like some type of threat <clears throat> think like you're some type of threat or some type of like weapon or something like i'm just i'm just here 
because I want my hood up. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm wearing it because I want it like that. You know, you know, Jimmy's well, not because gonna you do have it. the birthright to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Right. And just because we have to make stuff tolerable for white people because they don't want to see a black man in a hood is the real reason that she wanted yeah. you to take your hood off. It's power. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, it's a rule. So why the fuck it is why is it a rule? Right. And it's so wild, man. Like you see, I remember seeing we had a we had our call center building and then we had our corporate office building, right? And I was in the call center. I wanted to work my way up because I had a I have a background in business. Like my, my major was marketing. I wanted to get in the marketing department over there. And you could tell in the one call center building, that's where all the black people were. And in the corporate office that you had to walk to that was divided, it was all white folks. And trying to and trying to even get in the program to so I can even learn from like learn to, you know, get into their marketing department. It was it was so many hoops I had to um, jump through, especially when my supervisors found out that I wanted to do that. Like it was just it was hell. I am speaking from experience being a marketing director before. Mm -hmm. Being the only black marketing director for my company and all my peers, 12 others are all whites. It is extremely hard because you are the face of the company and they look at you. Do we want you to represent the face of this company? So that's why it's extremely hard for us to get in sales and marketing. And it's so true. And I'm like the most educated, not saying that I'm smarter than anyone. I'm just saying that. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. If we had to put degrees next to all the other marketing directors and still I had to fight tooth and nail for that position. And then I found out that someone made almost $30,000 more than me. Another white woman that had just hired. I mean, they fired her in like a month or whatever, but still she came in making $30,000 more than me. More education. So, yes, that is true. And once again, we go back to t- Black Lives Matter. We could talk about all these expectations are put on Black people. That's why we talk about Black excellence and Black girl magic. We're expected to excel at higher levels, but we're not given the resources to excel at higher levels, but we are expected to. And so Black women... I mean, we already know women are paid less in the workforce, but we're the most educated in this country and we're paid the least. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that me supporting my family does not matter. You, me supporting my black son does not matter. My black daughter does not matter. My life doesn't matter. Because you're already seen for all the reasons previously mentioned. Yes. As less yeah. than. Yes. Mm-hmm. And working in healthcare, and, and I've always struggled with putting companies on blast, but fuck it. Um, when I worked for the Cleveland Clinic, I mean, it was when we went into the laundry rooms, I they were all black or brown. And it was a white man that managed them all. Oh, I believe that. When I was coaching one of our students for an internship there, the way that white manager would speak to me with the door closed about his team, he never had to say anything about the color of their skin, but I knew what the fuck he was saying. I went to my boss and I was like, what the fuck? Like, and so that's part of the problem, right? And then, and then you work from entry level positions up to, Mm -hmm. it's just less and less and less and less. And it gets very white. 
I can guarantee you a lot of those people who worked in laundry room wanted to just to get in Cleveland Clinic because somebody told them it's a good, stable job. And they eventually want to move up to become a nurse or whatever. But mm -hmm. I bet because of reasons um, that they had no control over that option, that option, those options were not available. Michelle, I felt like I was in what I could imagine to be like a prison system when I was down there. Yes. And again, I'm not trying to say anything against the Cleveland Clinic specifically, but this was my experience. The way that that man spoke yeah. to, to his team, to any, I don't give a fuck who your team is. I would never like, that's not camaraderie at all, but specifically mostly, um, an environmental safety is what it was called, but essentially the, the folks that clean everything, your laundry, your, your mm -hmm. whatever, anything outside of sterilization in a hospital. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just the way he would yell at them, the way the point is though, I can only imagine because I'm a white woman as a black person in that position. Why would I have any type of loyalty to a company if this is how I'm being treated? And if that was my vision and you're right, because having the Cleveland clinic on, on your resume is, is helpful in the healthcare industry. But, but I saw him like writing people again, like in a prison system where you would get in trouble. Like I saw him writing people up for the dumbest shit mm -hmm. that he wasn't writing other people up for. Like, so that's, Yes. Yep. Like if a black man was late twice or a black woman, they got written up. But if it was a white dude and he would just be like, oh, sorry, man, car problems, he'd be like, oh, yeah, it's cool. The fuck? Right. And like that, that reminds me exactly of when I was like, a, I was a temp at Gojo. Uh, we were, uh, I worked in the factory portion. And a lot of the temps, you know, a lot of the temps, the guys were, you know, coming out of jail and stuff like that. So, like, that's, like, the jobs they could get. But, like, even if they weren't, doesn't matter. Like, I, I saw how my manager, when I was there, talked to us rather in, in um, comparison to how he talked to the, like, three other white guys that were there, you know. And after a while, you know, you would have to do so many orders to get so many things, right? And I would, whenever I would fulfill those, they would move the marker. So they'd be like, oh, well, you're not doing this, so we can't hire you in. Or you're not doing this, so we can't hire you in. When I, then I do it, and they're like, oh, well, you're not doing this, so we can't hire you in. It's just like a cycle. And it's kind of like a lot of people, some people, um, they know that they're gonna have to go through something at one of these jobs with these white folks. So at some point it's like they pick it's almost like they pick their hard you know what i mean it's like they know it's yes. going to be hard somewhere so it's like well let's do something that's not that'll that'll be that'll pay me good but also not be as bad even though you know you're going to go through something you know you're going to have to deal with white people in some type of way shape or form right but you don't want to have to go through extreme situations though to make it extreme, not just basically not to be treated like a slave. Right. Because we have this stigma, oh, we're lazy. Well, excuse mm -hmm. me, we gave you like 400 plus years of free labor. We built the country. How are we lazy? Right. That's real talk right there. <laughs> I mean, we built the country. Like, what? <laughs> so, you know, what you, what you and John experience in a workforce. It's normal because mm -hmm. you have, like you said, white people just are so entitled. We're supposed to do this because I said you do it. It's like, I'm not a slave anymore. You have to talk to me like that. And, and teachers in school talk to black kids like that. 
Yep. The police officers that are in school talk to black kids like that. Like they're on a, you know, a cotton field and they're screaming and yelling at them and talking to them crazy. Like they need to police them. They have to police us and rough us up and treat us, treat us differently because we need to be whipped into shape. It's right. that whole mentality, that whole slave mentality. That's where it comes from. Yeah. It's like, oh, I need to get these niggas in order. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all it's about. Yeah. Is getting these niggas in order. Yeah. And then they wonder why, then they wonder why some people don't want to listen to them. Like why some kids might, might quote unquote misbehave in school because you're not, you're probably not talking to them like a normal human being. I remember plenty of times. Exactly. I remember plenty of times I was provoked when I was in, when I was in kindergarten, I remember my teacher told everybody to make fun of me because I couldn't tie my fucking shoe. Like what? Are you fucking kidding me? You're going to subject a kid to that. And then, and that leads to bullying and leads to fights and kids getting fights. And like, thank God I wasn't in a public school because who knows if I would have gotten fights and they would have been like, oh, well, this kid fights too much. So we got to like put them elsewhere. You know what I'm saying? Was this a white teacher? Yeah, it was a white, te- old white teacher too. Like senior citizen ass white teacher. You got to have some, some specific shine. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Like she was an old white lady. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what they say. Like you, you, you poke and you poke and you poke and you poke and you poke. And then people ask, they wonder why the protests um, are happening. Um, and there's vandalism at times. And there's a lot to that with people, pro- white instigators and things as well. But also like you're poked and poked and poked. At some point, you're going to pop. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw someone post. They said, if someone raped and killed your children and your family, where would you want their statue put? Nowhere. First of all, why the fuck would you even talk about a statue for somebody who did that? But we have those down yes. south and all these other no, places everywhere. I mean, the Lincoln Memorial. I mean, all these memorials. We even have we have like we have a city Ooh, named place. after a rapist, like Columbus. You know, whole ass whole ass countries. Colombia, like they have a big old statue of Christopher Columbus right there. Like, no, dude. You get a day off work to think about it too, if you want. Yeah, yeah, they should. They should give us the day off of Juneteenth, which is tomorrow, because I mean, the Fourth of July. Like, really thinking about it, the Fourth of July really doesn't mean much to Black folks for real, because that's not when we were free. On the Fourth of July, we were still slaves. Sorry, I thought the, I thought the, I thought the lightning was. It's like raining here. Okay. Um, mm. but that's a sign. I, uh, yeah, I forgot. I kind of forgot what I was. I forgot like where I was going, but it's all good though. I just posted something before we started recording that essentially said because I I'm in Florida now, and so being in the South, you know, I do see a lot of Confederate flags, and it's fucking disgusting. But essentially, the the meme said something about um you know the Confederacy when people talk about well that was my my ancestors you know they were part of the Confederacy and this is part of their heritage, bitch like that was for like five years. Right. The meme right. says something like, "My emo stage in, in high school lasted longer than that." Like, right? There's <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of pride that needs to like right. carry on in generations with that. So, like, that's just an excuse. Let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, our this. I, th- I think I've only been here a year, but I've lived in so many states. I think the state flag in Florida is like a Confederate flag with an X over across it. I have to look House, that up. Yeah. Think it is. It's, a, it's a X. It's a it's a red X. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, so like constantly having that at the forefront for the black community or the African American community can feel good. Like you are in a country 
that doesn't support your freedom, if you are living in a state or live in a country that have states that still have these symbols. Mm-hmm. That celebrate oppression. Yes. And um, there's like, there's a few states that like have like the Confederate flag inside of it. I think like South Carolina did, or if it doesn't anymore, it did. One of them did. Mm-hmm. I remember it was just, that was, that was just so crazy to me. I never understood that. When you, going back to what you were talking about, like with white privilege and things like that, um, like the privilege, like white guys, when I was at my high school, my Catholic high school, that's when I really got, that's when, when I really got exposed to like white, white people. I mean, we had white friends and things like that. I was the only black kid in my karate class. I was the only black kid on my baseball team. But like, that was really where I learned about white people and the stuff some people be on. Like, I remember a kid asked me if I get my hair cut on a porch or something. I'm like, no, bro, I go on a, I go to a barber shop and get it cut like a normal person. <laughs> like, what? Like, um, just from watching movies. Yeah. Like somebody was like, oh, I have black friends in my family. They're hanging from the tree. I'm like, are you <gasps> fucking serious? Yeah. Somebody said that shit to me. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Well, it's still happening this week. Right. And right. When you're a kid, you're just like, I didn't even know how to react to that shit. Like, I just had the whitest reaction ever of a white woman. I like. I know you were so clutch. you're so sure. You're like, oh lord. I like to clutch my fucking pearls and everything. Right. <laughs> I thought I had some soul in me, but I'm I'm just white. It's all good. <laughs> no, you have soul. You good. You good. You're good with us. <laughs> I um. You invited to the cookout. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put raisin in the potato salad, Listen, though. I order greens any chance I can because yeah. I was introduced to that shit and I can't get enough of it. But anyway. <laughs> Delicious. I know. Anyway, uh, that I always ask people like when I'm in a, a room or having a conversation with white people and I, I will bring up, well, have you ever been in a room where you were the only white person? And every fucking white person will try to pretend like they have been in that situation. But even if you have, maybe it's once or twice, like have you ever truly been in a situation where you just knew you were the minority. And I mean, because I know from experience, the first time I walked into an Omega, I think it was, um, and I get at a gala. Yeah. With the, I think actually that's the night I met you, Michelle. Well, we got put out. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We might've gotten in a little trouble. (laughs) Of course. See, cause they were at the table with a white girl. Obviously you're in trouble. Just kidding. I know. No. <laughs> we got put out. I think James might have got suspended for the fraternity at that point. Um, we were stop shine. Stop signs were definitely option. <laughs> Girl, the booze were flowing, but we became best friends that night. So whatever. Yes. But the point, the point, the point is, like I felt that, and I would be lying if I said I didn't. You know, I mean, I I loved it and and I and I love being a part of any community that I'm I wasn't brought up in and that's why I love traveling and exposing myself to different things. But what's important to focus on I think is is that people lose focus that using travel or using other countries as an example isn't apples to apples with what's going on here. So when when people say things like that like I want to know in America when have you truly ever experienced anything like you two are explaining. And you really can't. There are, of course, outliers that have maybe, you know, were raised in, in, um, in certain towns or different areas. 
but the point of that is, is that, okay, maybe there is a curiosity, JB, like some, some of your, um, colleagues or, or, um, classmates came up to ask you questions, but I can't imagine that that was ever the other way around. Like I never remember any of my friends, um, my non-white friends in school, like asking me, you know why nobody ever asks like, why, what's, what's it like to be white? Cause we see it on TV. We watch, we see it on friends all the time. We yeah. see it on TV all the time. And really, if you really think about friends, you don't even see they didn't have any black, black folks on that shit. You couldn't even like, you, you would think all of New York's white as fuck, like vanilla. Like what? If you just, if you judged like America off of just one show. Friends you know? and Seinfeld. Which is right. why we don't believe white people when they say I have black friends. Exactly. <laughs> and dude, I used to be that black friend and like for a long time, I'm not going to lie, dude. I was not like, I didn't, I didn't stick up for us like I should have. And that was my bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I didn't, I didn't defend like black people like I should have back then or like at least like my blackness so I, I used to always try to be i used to try to be so nice i try to be so nice so um non-threatening like like that's you're part like of you're the american way that's yeah like said, whip these niggas into shape yeah it's like start from an early age in school you know making sure that we can over discipline them and suspend them and over police them and in the workforce you know somebody talk to you like they're slaves like you're a slave yeah. And just like you said, trying to be more kind and friendly um, for white people taste. That's, you know, that's 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 normal. I mean, I do the same thing if I'm around white people. I'm not myself, especially white women, because it's like, you know, I'm the angry black female if I'm passionate about something. And it drives me as someone posted about just how black women are constantly enraged in a workforce because we are always pointed out as an angry back female. We're not allowed to have emotion. Yeah. Or and show emotion the, at all. Right. Like in going to go talking about showing emotion, like people like we're not allowed to, we're not a, black men. We're really not allowed to yeah. show emotion. We're not allowed to be hurt by shit. Like if we're like, it took me until I was like 26 to realize I had anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. You know, and it took me till like my 20s to actually wake up and like start knowing myself as a black man and like loving myself and having confidence. You know what I'm saying? And so being John, proud of where I come from. You know, are you allowed to take off work for your anxiety and depression? Can you use that as an excuse to take off work or a reason? Not excuse, but a reason to take off. I ha- I have sick leave. So if I if I say um that I. I've I've put in like I I want to um have a mental like I want to have a mental health mental health day yeah I've I'm only asking because it's awesome that your employer allows that because that's why I do it in my job myself and other black people we talk the stuff that he does we could never get away with we we always say oh well, man bro my Go black ahead. ass would be fired if I did that he is expected to he's a maintenance guy he's expected to do maintenance you mm-hmm. know it's a nursing home and right. he. In the middle of the day, oh, I'm having an anxiety attack. Or I need to leave early because my anxiety is high. Or, um, you know, I'm depressed today. And so you can't perform in your jobs, which is fine. I understand mental health. But Black people cannot get away with doing that. I cannot just say, listen, the world is on fire right now. And I don't feel like performing at work with right. high status because the world's on fire. And my mental health or I have anxiety about it. I'm not allowed yeah. to feel that way. 
It's like, and oh, like get over it. And when I um and say if I say I want to have a mental like I never say I want to have a mental health day because if I said I wanted to have a mental health day, they probably would just be like what? But like when I type in the notes into you know mm-hmm. into the computer. I've said that before, even if I just wanted to just go somewhere. But, but like, he's, but he's allowed. There. I mean, a white girl at my job, she, you know, someone says something to her, she cries in a meeting. Oh, I've and seen that just, shit before. My anxiety is high. And I'm like, I can't do that. Right. Like, and I definitely, I feel like, dude, there's Michelle, there's always like a black, a white person at your job. That's like, if if I did that stupid ass shit, like I would get fired. Yes. If I never do. like... I know I I know two white guys in particular. One don't work for us anymore, but the other one still does. He does the bare minimum every single day. Okay. That's privilege. If out of privilege, if I did the bare minimum like he does, I wouldn't be able to work at home. Like on, on the normal time, I, I wouldn't be able to work at home all like that. I wouldn't be able to do nothing. Wouldn't be able to work overtime, nothing. Cause they'd be like, oh, you don't do nothing. Like, you know, I had to fight to work from home for my job. Like well, they talk about like the old boys club, you know, with yeah. work like that. But it's it it is the old white club. Like I I've, I fucking witnessed yeah. it. Like I I see it when the door closes. Like you can't tell me it doesn't happen because yeah, I've been a part of it. I've witnessed it. Yeah, my high school, like my high school alumni, my college alumni. You can tell it. You can tell what it is. With a lot of them, you know what I'm saying? Like with the old boys club and things like that. I've even caught one of my friends say, like he, he, like I caught him saying, he said like the N word before, and I was just like, and I like he said it in front of me, like bold. I was like, dang, you mighty bold today, sir. Is, is this friend a white friend? Yeah, he was white. Mm-hmm. You are, you are, you are mighty bold today, and I was just like, bro, you can't. I, I was like, bro, you just can't be doing that. Like, and he knows not to do that shit. Did you he have a conversation with him about it? Yeah. I like I had a conversation in the past before he did that about it. You know what I'm saying? So that means then you know if he's doing it that cavalier in front of you, what the fuck is happening behind your back? Right. And then like it got worse. Like high school wasn't that bad because I was kind of sheltered. But when it came to like college. That was bad. I remember the first time I got, I came to, um, I came to Dayton and a white dude really called me the N-word to my face. Like, just yelled at like, nigger. Like, what the, I'm just like, bro, like, what the fuck? Like, is this like what my college experience is going to be like? It wasn't, but I remember people having like a lot of microaggressions and things like that. You know, when people say stuff in a certain way. And they know what they're doing. You know, like when I might meet a white dude and he's like, um, and say he's like going to be my roommate or something like that. I remember one dude, he was, he was always like make these like racist jokes or like talk to me like I was like a servant. I remember it was one kid just trying to talk to me like I was a servant that I live with. And like he used to do, and he used to especially do this shit in front of girls. And like, I, like I really got in his ass one day. Cause I was like, bro, like you can't just be doing this shit, dog. Like. You're not going to sit here and talk to me like any type of way, dog. I will whoop your ass. So, John, <laughs> what, what college did you attend? The University of Dayton. Okay. I went to Central State University. Okay. And cool. Central State is a historically black college and a university. And I chose to go to Central State because it's a predominantly, predominantly black college and university. And when I was in high school, I had a... Um, African-American history teacher who was a black woman. She went to Spelman College. 
And she encouraged us to look into attending a HBCU is what we call them. Mm-hmm. And I had people, my black friends telling me that I was not going to receive a quality education because I was going to school with black people. Yes. We are so brainwashed to think that white is the only way that you, I had tons of, and I, I found myself arguing with people in high school trying to deprogram them saying just because something is white does not mean it's better. But we are so whitewashed and programmed to believe um, that. I know exactly what you're talking about because John's on the move. Yeah. John, we lost you if you can hear us. I'll just really quickly, I want to also let listeners know when, when JB was talking about um, microaggressions, that's those pokes that we were talking about earlier. So these microaggressions that you're constantly hearing that it's one after another, after another, after another, that finally it builds up and you just, like like John said, he just kind of um, said to his roommate, like, shut up, man, like, or I've had enough. Previously, Michelle, when you were talking about women, uh, their mortality rates, there's a book called The um, the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I don't know. I probably read that book about 10 years ago, but it is a really good book. Another resource if listeners want something, an audiobook or something to read that really highlights the... Um, she was born, I think she, her birth, this took place in like the 1950s. She had kids and then she had ovarian cancer. And essentially, HeLa cells come from Henrietta Lacks because it's the first two letters of your first name, first two letters of your last name. And HeLa cells are what have been used to um, for like stem cell research and, and stuff like that. But she died. And hey, welcome back, John. Um, but sure. she she died in the process. And so this whole book kind of highlights how um, her cells were taken from her without without her consent. Something else I wanted to to ask or to bring up today was um, I saw a TikTok because I'm now obsessed with TikTok. Me too. And <laughs> it's seriously a problem. I get up off the toilet and like my legs are so numb because I have sat there for so long. Yes. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. I love all the the new content that's been out the last couple of weeks um, supporting Black Lives Matters. There was a, a guy, and I can't remember his name right now, but he he's a black man, and he was saying that he was like, "Hey, when you guys like leave your group of friends, what do you say?" And he's like, "Bye, see y'all later, catch you on the flip side." He's like, "To me and my friends, me and my black friends, we say stay safe out there, stay safe." Yes. Yeah, that's what we said. Mm-hmm. Stay safe. Yes. Yeah, I say that all the time. I never say that, and I I hear it from my mother maybe because she knows I'm a little crazy. I mean, and so I'm just trying, the reason I bring up these little comments or things I've seen is because I think for the white community, it's important to see these disparities. And because I'm constantly in conversations I'm having, at least, it's people not believing that this is really an issue or a problem. So I just want to highlight as much as I can something that I don't experience, but other people are. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is a problem. And go, I don't know how much you guys heard from earlier when I was talking because my, my uh, Wi-Fi went out. Um, but Michelle, like, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, we're programmed to, um, we're programmed to think like, oh, you need to go like to the good school. You know, I had a, um, I had a friend of the family 
say something pretty crazy, which was, it was just wild to me. Like I had just gotten into Kent state. I wasn't going to go to Kent state, but like, I just got into Kent state. Kent state's a good school, you know? And this lady was like, well, anybody can get into Kent state. Like, I'm just like, bro, it doesn't, I mean, you should, I think you should just be happy for a kid that that's going to go to school. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't matter what school, but I mean, I remember my god dad actually told me to like look into um a HBCU, but I didn't really listen though because I was so programmed to thinking like, oh, you need to go to a yeah, white is right, you know, predominantly go to a predominantly white school. It's accredited, you know, like mm-hmm. all that stupid I stuff. I mean, um to your point, the president, the Barack Obama went to Ivy League school and he was still questioned about his citizenship a black man can go to harvard or howard university and still could be pulled over and killed in america yep and still be looked over in a workforce because he's black not because he went to ivy league school he's not going to receive any more privilege than anyone else Mm -hmm. like you're you're always going to be black even if when if if you're if you get your doctorate you get a still PhD, black. you're still black. Like some people think like, oh, I'm going to get this high degree and people are going to look at me different. No, they're going to look at you the same, bro. You're going to get pulled over. You might have to do a field sobriety test sober. I remember in high in high school, I was with a, a guy I was dating. There were there was four white people in the car. It was myself, my girlfriend, and our boyfriends. And we were driving around by 117th, the west side of Cleveland. And we took a right turn too hard. We were drinking. I mean, we were drinking and like the guy, my boyfriend at the time driving was um, basically just an asshole. And so he was always doing dumb shit. And we took the turn too hard. He was trying to like skid on the turn or whatever. And we hit, we took a, um, a street sign out and it was kind of freaky, but we were all fine. And it was right in front of a local bar and people ran out and they were like, oh my God, are you guys okay? Are you okay? And we were like 17 drinking. And we were fine, probably because we didn't, you know, our reflexes were slow. And we all had a laugh about it. If that had been a car full of black kids, and in that community was... Per, well, that's know, that's they, Lakewood, right? It would have been... No, it was, Cle- it was Cleveland by like Lido's Lounge. Oh, oh you know yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows Lido's. But yeah, it's, clo- <laughs> it's close to Lakewood. But, gotcha. yeah, but still, I mean, it... it it would have been a totally different outcome. I know that for a fucking fact oh, because the the old white people that ran out of the bar saw a car full of white kids just jo- out joyriding, no big deal. And maybe I should change the name of the fucking show to Stop Signs Are Optional for White People because genuinely, like, I I'm not fucking joking. Like, I've literally thought about the name of the show the last couple of weeks, thinking. What a fucking privileged thing to name something. Like, I didn't even think about it before. But but now that I have this entitlement at my forefront or in the back of my mind now. We call it woke. You're waking up. Yeah. And it's like, you get it. You get it little by little. Yeah, you get. You Once get. you wake up, um, I, I posted this meme on my page that, you know, this is not anything new. That white people just keep hitting the snooze button on a situation. Yeah. And. We you black people use the term woke, meaning like John, you said, I didn't realize the stuff I was experiencing was racist, but now I do, or racism, but now I do. When yeah. your when your third eye or your when you become woke and aware and you start educating, you realize, oh my God, all these ha- things happen. 
because of these reasons. We're not playing a victim. I don't no. want anything handed to me or anything like that. We're just, mm-hmm. you're just waking up finally and looking at things differently, Lindsay. You're like, oh, yeah. what a, oh my God, this is what white privilege is. And you're not at fault for that. It's, no, it's not your fault because you have white privilege. Black people are not saying, I think white people are scared to say, yes, I know I have white privilege. Right. It's not like we're condemning people. Yeah. I mean, it's not your fault. Just be aware of it. Just be yeah. aware of you could cuss a cop off and say, fuck off and fuck you when you're pulled over. But we can't do that. Yo, mm-hmm. did y'all see that video of that white dude um, in, in the cop? He uh, he was like, he had taken the, I think he like took, he pulled a gun out on a cop. And then he like kicked dude or something. was like chasing the cop around. Yes, I saw that. Mm-hmm. You saw that shit? Yes. Man, I was like, let that, let that be me. Been dead. Right. It's so interesting, Michelle, because even through messages that you and I have had the last couple of weeks, and I know that like this is like the thing about like white people apologizing like crazy right now and how like both of you have acknowledged that it's kind of um, different and and weird. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I remember even talking to you or or just thinking about my friends and, and mostly my community in Cleveland is, you know, where most of my tribe's at and how I just feel foolish for like, I don't know, just never really, I guess, understanding. And then I think like how on the other side and for, for my black friends or African-American friends, what are they thinking of friendships and how authentic they are or maybe are not? Or if they've had to code switch to be friends, you know, to hang out around me or, or around people that I've brought around maybe, or cause you know, I'm always having some kind of party bus or, or something mm-hmm. going on. And I just thought like, holy fuck, that has been a huge eye opener for me is, is how have I held space for my fucking friends or people I've considered, consider family in the past. And obviously all I can do is now look at the future and, and try to be better. But I have, I have looked back and I remember sending you a text. Like, I'm so sorry for like, just never really taking the time to truly understand or, holding space in an appropriate way. It's just, it's, I feel so fucking dumb, basically, like from a, a white woke perspective, yes. maybe like it just feels so like, you know, I, I felt like I always, I've always tried to do the work in the past and um, tried to be as educated as possible and try to be as empathetic for anyone in every situation. But this, for some reason now just has such a different impact and such a different hold. Um, that I can, I can see why it's weird for you guys because we don't know what else the fuck to do. We're just like, oh shit, we've been so dumb this whole time. Um, I, I think I'm going to speak from experience that I know your heart. And so even if you wasn't aware of what was going on, your heart was always in the right place as far as friendship. And that's all black people ask for. We just ask for your heart to be in the right place. Um, and that's basically it. We want your heart to be in the right place. And we want you to have a little empathy as far as what's going on. For example, if, you know, you and I are out and, um, we get pulled over, you have a little empathy that, oh shit, you know, Michelle may go to jail and I may not. That's it. I was even thinking that you might be have experiencing more anxiety in that moment than I might be. Yes. 
I mean, anxiety when, you know, we go out with you, when I go out with you and your friends and those are typically white bars. Mm-hmm. So once again, having to be, having to code switch and conform to white taste uh, as mm-hmm. far as, you know, I'm not going to turn up and act a, act a fool like I may normally do if I'm in a black bar with my girlfriends. Like an example of white privilege, I think would be one of the party buses we dropped. I think you and your sister stayed downtown mm-hmm. and I fucking flashed you from the bus as we were driving away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yes. But the point I'm trying to make is I now in this moment right now, I'm recognizing you may not have felt comfortable to do that because I feel like if it was just you and me, you might be comfortable. <laughs> but seriously, but if being downtown in that setting, you may not have felt safe to do that. And I didn't think fucking twice about it. I was like, man, what is anyone going to do to me? Like, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I'm just having an aha moment with that even. That is a whole nother show. <laughs> about about my boobs or about no i only say that because white women are allowed to be in tune with their sexuality oh yeah and mm. black women are not and yeah, so you're nice. considered a whore or loose if you are in tune with your sexuality but right. it's, it's a feminist thing if you're a white woman and you're in tune you're able to do stuff like that so that's a whole nother show mm-hmm. um it down <laughs> They act like, Tune in like next liberating. Week. Yes. So we're not allowed to be sexually liberated. No. Black men. And I can see you a podcast about that. Um, so we're not allowed to be in that space yet because America America is not open to us in that space yet. Yeah. We're not allowed to be sexually sexually liberated. And it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And then black men, we're highly sexualized. When I was in, like when I was up at UD, I can't tell you how many girls were like um talking about trying to get the n-word dick and stuff like that and they would say that shit in front like she was like so-and-so is trying to get the n-word dick and i'm like are you fucking kidding me right now i ain't about to give you shit first of all disrespectful ass (laughs) Um, i've never heard that term but i what the nigga dick (laughs) i've honestly never heard that term yeah john hasn't either I do know, like, BBC was, like, always... I mean, it's a fucking cat, cat, big black cock. Oh, okay. I think it's a category on Pornhub. Probably so. It is. <laughs> this show always ends up with shit like this. It always talks about, like, some shit. No, but I, I hadn't considered what you're saying, though, in a way that, like, someone was trying to, like, pop their black cherry, so to speak. Like, um, because that, I have... I am familiar with and the like, you know, like, um, in my friend groups and, um, yeah, I'm having these like aha moments of processing and that's why I I keep pausing because I just, I don't, I don't have, I don't necessarily know how to articulate some of these moments, but I never thought of it as anything, um, taboo or, or out of the norm because we have the entitlement to do that. Yeah. And I, um, I've experienced like being on Tinder or something or on these like dating apps. I've gotten, I've matched up with certain girls, certain types of girls. And they're like, oh, well, most black guys like, like fat white girls, basically. Like, and basically I'm like, dude, that is privilege. It's some privilege shit, man. I'm just like, or like try to get with me just because I'm black. I'm like, I don't, I don't want you. (laughs) Like, Michelle, what is the privilege with, with that statement? 
I'm white and I'm right. I'm white and I'm beautiful. Her saying, I thought black men only liked big white women. No, that, well, that and I'm white and I can look any way and be any way. And just because I'm white, you're going to like me. Okay. Got you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then, um, of course, that's tied to slavery and white women just doing whatever they want to to black men. And then it goes, yes. And then it goes back to white women are the standard of beauty. Yep. Or was the standard of beauty? Um, twenty, you know, twenty nineteen. We rocked it as far as it, but uh, <laughs> black women, but um, white women being a standard standard of beauty, right. and saying you have to want me because I'm the standard and I'm better than whatever else that you have had, and so that's why I mean entitlement and privilege. You have the privilege to even think that like there's not one black girl that would say all white men won't want this. Not one black girl I know that would say that. Nope. I don't know one either. Not one black girl that would be like, don't all white uh, men love me? I mean, we would never say that. We don't have that privilege and entitlement. Yeah. There's not a stereotype out that out there that anybody believes that. Nope. Um, it's just not. We're not considered the standard of beauty, you know, as far as, you know, white men and all that stuff. I mean, so that's, that's privilege. Yep. All the way, dude. I'm starting to question things about myself right now, like through just this conversation. It's crazy. Why? Well, because I prefer black men. (laughs) So, you know, I don't have a type. People always ask me that. Like I always say my type is uh, a good heart and a good mind. Well, I'm not going to say, and I don't know this, but I'm just going to assume your thought process. You prefer black men because Lindsay prefers things that are forbidden. That's why stop signs are optional. (laughs) So I would have never ended up at that conclusion, but I'm going (laughs) to sit with that. So that's the only reason why. And if someone told you that you couldn't date, a white guy tomorrow, Lindsay's going to find a white dude to date because it's not. Because they told her you can't do that shit. Yes. Don't break the Lindsay rules. prefers to break the rules. All fucking rules. She likes to shatter them. <laughs> so your title fits and it's okay. Don't apologize for who you are. It's okay. You have to know your heart though. That's that's the cool thing about you. I, I was going to say that I think it's, easier to date someone. And I would have disagreed with this 10 years ago, but as of lately that I am, um, and I'm not saying that all white men are this way or all black men are that way, but I think it's easier for me at this point to be with someone who is politically, socially in line with my views as well. And I genuinely enjoy the black culture and a lot of stuff that's involved in that. Um, as far as like events or, um, just learning too. That's the other thing is I like to be selfishly. I I like to be challenged and I want to learn as much as I can. And, um, and I just love like spice and soul in life. And so I'm equating all of that into a black man. Like that's to me, when I think of a black man, like I think of strong, intelligent, sexy, like you said, JB, totally like all the stereotypes you just said, probably Mm -hmm. that a lot of white women think like, that's what I think. 
and they can challenge me. They can offer me new experiences. Um, and hope, you know, and if they were democratic and liberal, that would be super helpful. <laughs> we, so, we, we call it in a black community. You want all the rhythm and none of the blues. No, right. Oh, shit. Oh, that was good, Michelle. You're no, right. because everybody wants to be black till it's time to do black <laughs> shit, like get pulled over by the cops and harassed. Like, that's a really valid point. That's a we really say they want all point. the rhythm, but none of the blues, none of it, none of the right. blues. Yeah, and I do. I mean, when I've been out with 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 black guys, I've dated like I've caught some of that, but I didn't re- like until you just said it. I'm like, I can appreciate that. Like that now, I can appreciate. But I didn't. I didn't think about it because they're forbidden. <laughs> but you sure shit now when I go on a date on Saturday with this dude, I'm gonna be like, is he forbidden fruit or is he really sexy? A little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna. I will get back to you, listeners, and to you, Michelle, on that. Be calling you offline. Yeah, dude, it used to trip me out. Like in in school, like when a white girl might like might like me or something like that, or I might like them. I always had in the back of my mind, like if something didn't go the right way, would I like, would they like accuse me of something? Cause like I've, I've had friends get falsely accused of like sexual harassment and things like that. They didn't even do anything. Cause they like said no to somebody and the girl was like, well, I'm gonna tell them that you did X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, that's a fear that like some black dudes have, you know what I mean? They don't, they don't want to um, get caught up. Look at Emmett Till. You know about Emmett Till? Mm-hmm. Um, and how just whistling. Oh, man, you have some research to do, girl. Um, you said you don't know about Emmett Till? I do not. Okay. Um, Emmett Till was a 14-year-old black boy. And um, he was like, it was, the, it was like 1955. He whistled at a white girl. And because he whistled out, well, he allegedly whistled out a white I girl. Say, did he, he didn't really whistle. He out. really didn't do anything for real, because the girl in on her deathbed said like she lied. Um, and she, she was like seventy. She just like recently died a few years ago. This kid was lynched, basically, like beat to a pulp. Like he was beaten unrecognizably, and his mom told everybody to keep the casket open because he was from Chicago, but he had went down to Mississippi to visit family and a mob had, um, a mob had abducted him and just killed him. And the, and he was found like in a river, like days later. And the mom told everybody, told the uh, news outlets to leave the casket open so they could see what they did to him. And his pic, you can like look up the picture on Google and, He's unrecognizable and it's it's disgusting. And that was one of the things that's um, that it that it fueled the civil rights movement. That was one of the first things that did because it was so gruesome. And to give you some context, that was in 1955. My mom was born a year later. That wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. And there's there's people out there like, oh, well, this is in the past. Like, you shouldn't dwell on the past. Well, you know what? If you don't know your past, you're going to repeat that shit. You know, like you're not going to you're not going to you're going to 
repeat the like same bull crap that that was going on before. I watched a documentary about Robert Kennedy the other day on Netflix, and it was wild because he was, you know, he wanted to stand up for minorities and migrant workers and the poor and things like that. And I'm looking, and I'm like, all this shit's still going on today. Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff's still going on today. Yeah. It's not we're not segregated anymore, but we might as well be when you see schools um in the hood versus like public schools in the hood versus public schools like in the suburbs or in the and city district I lines say. drawn and, yeah. yeah redlining and all that like right. this you can you can literally drive down a street here in Akron and you can you can probably tell where the red line was cuz one one the side I'm on right now of that street it's Delia. The side of Delia I'm on is the northern side of Delia. That's like where all the nicer houses are. There's a Whole Foods across the street from me. There's an Acme across the street from me. You go down the street, all they got is a save a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? And when they did have an Acme, well, they had a good Acme for a little bit, but for before that one, they had a really shitty one that would, the food would always spoil and all that stuff. Like, And before that was a save a lot, it was an IGA. So mm-hmm. like, you can see the yes. disparities. That's what I mentioned earlier. Yes, mm-hmm. that from everywhere we look, saying we don't matter. Right. Our schools, our grocery stores, access to health care. Mm-hmm. Um, Public transportation. Yes. I mean, everything. Yep. It's just you don't matter. Well, we have been talking for almost two hours. So as much wow. as I don't want to end this conversation, I would like to at least pause it for this show. I just want to take the time to thank you both again for not only being on the show, but for being so fucking raw and authentic and for also holding space for me, but also kind of call not kind of for calling me on some of my shit and allowing me to recognize and, and feel safe to, to call out my own shortcomings and, and growth that I have, because I hope that I can, can just be a, um, a, a, a person that, that other white people can try to relate to. And, and hopefully I'll ask questions or admit, you know, when I'm, when I don't know something, um, so that we can all learn and grow. Um, but I'd like to leave this as an opportunity for both of you. If you have any final comments or thoughts that you want to leave listeners with or just anything that you haven't shared yet? All right. My, uh, my final thought is just if anything in this touched you or made you think, look into it, you know, um, everybody, everybody wakes up in different ways. Everybody, um, looks things up in different ways and just you want to give yourself grace if you didn't know if if you're somebody who really is truly wanting to know more and kind of like make a change give yourself some grace and do it you know forgive yourself and make the change you know love everybody man black lives matter awesome and i will link all of that in the show notes as well cool thanks michelle i just want to say um thanks for being open to have this discussion and conversation with us. Um, I promise to your white listeners, we're harmless black people. Um, it's okay. If you don't understand something, it's okay to you know be wrong about something and it's okay to reach out and ask questions. So Lindsay, if any of your um, listeners would like to reach out and ask me questions, that's okay. I'll have everything filtered through you. 
Um, I'm perfectly fine with that, but have more conversations. And those white people say, oh, but I have black friends. Do you really have black friends? And if they are your friends, be open and willing to ask questions. Um, that's, that's the only thing I have. We said so much today. Yeah. Well, thank you both. And you brought up a good point. I've, I've done a terrible job today of promoting any of, uh, any of our information, but as always, if you'd like to leave feedback, you can go on our Instagram page, you can email us, or you can call or text us at 407-434-0493. And as always, your feedback is anonymous unless um, you give me permission to use it on the show um, to use your voicemail or your name. So please send in the questions. We did get a lot of really great feedback from Micah's show. Um, we, as always, want this to continue being a safe space for everyone to come ask questions, be their weird selves. And I just want to end today's show with, again, saying thank you. Stay safe out there. Just I hate that that has to be said, but I'm going to say stay it. Safe. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. Stay safe. Hey, happy Juneteenth right. also. Happy Juneteenth. <laughs>